0: Just to review, let me ask you guys this. What's What's been our definition of stewardship? What's wow. the definition that I've been using More of stewardship? You. Anybody? I like three weeks before you actually get work. Taking care of somebody else's stuff. Well, yeah, I'll start. I think I got managing. stuff. For um, for, Okay, you guys got stewardship, managing God's stuff for God's purposes. Okay, it's simplistic, but um, that's, I I believe, the way the Bible uses the word steward or stewardship. Um, If a couple weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about managing God's stuff for God's purposes. What is God's stuff? What were just four of the things we talked about, four things that we're supposed to manage for God's purposes? Time. Time, okay, so we have a limited amount of time. We should use it for God's glory. What's the other talent? truth okay so the truth of the gospel we, we are um, we're stewards of the truth of God's word we're to use that that stuff Come on in. We're to use the stuff of the gospel uh, for God's purposes which would be primarily to proclaim it um, and what was that truth on treasure. treasure okay so like money material possessions and what was the fourth town? Talents or people, resources, spiritual gifts, talents, those sorts of things. And there's more to be said, probably, but those are the things that we're stewarding for God's purposes. Um, And just to make sure y'all are getting me, who owns everything? God. God. Okay, yes. So, um, that's really critical, especially. For each of these weeks, especially in uh, this week and next week, it's it's critical to remember that God really is the creator of all things, owns all things. He, he gives them to us, or lends them to us, you could say, for us to manage, but they all belong to God. <coughs> Last week we looked at what what the Bible says about saving and kind of some topics around saving. Um, first of all, I, I pointed out, I think it was clear, there's not a high priority in Scripture to Make sure you have enough, or make sure you have a big nest egg at the end of your life. That doesn't seem to be a priority in Scripture. In fact, there's a lot of warnings about the lure of wealth, and really we're never taught that we should seek wealth or seek riches, even though that's a lot of times what we as Americans want to do is is seek riches, because that's what we think makes us happy. Um, I want to be clear, if I wasn't clear last week, riches in and of themselves are not bad, God actually provides riches to whomever he wills, and sometimes that's a byproduct of us working hard, which is another thing that we talked about. Um, Some things that the Bible does clearly teach uh, is that we should not be lazy or idle. We read all over the place, um, especially in Proverbs. Um, But that would involve uh, working hard. Not just working uh, to make money, though that's part of it, but not everybody's going to do that. But not not being idle or, or lazy. We talked some about that. And being content with what we have. Right? That was last week. We ended last week with a question. If we work hard and we are content with our needs being met, what might happen then? Financially. Might get rich. We might have some... <laughs> Some resources. If we're work, We we might not. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case. But if, if we're working hard and we're content, then a lot of times that's going to mean that we have something left over. And so the question is, what do we do with what's left over? We've kind of seen how the Bible warns against just hoarding that for ourselves. And the Bible also teaches that we shouldn't just devour all of that up on ourselves. So what's the other option? Give it away. Okay, you give it away. So that's what we're going to. Talk about tonight again. Tonight will be like last week, and that there's a lot of scripture. I think there's one or two that I'm going to say, Hey, turn to this one specifically, look at it with me. Uh, On the others, if you can keep up, then go for it. But, um, I'll try not to misquote the, the words of God. Um, so tonight we're talking about giving, and I want to be honest with you guys, there is so much content in scripture about giving and generosity that to narrow down some verses for the teaching tonight was hard to do there's way more than i can share tonight even though we're probably gonna look at 25 verses or passages tonight um which i think is interesting in that looking for those verses that say you need to save more save more save more save more it's hard it's hard to find a hint of those where with giving and generosity, they're all over the place. So um, tonight, like last week, we're not, the goal isn't to get to a place where we say you need to save this much, you need to give this much, and this percentage and that percentage. The goal is really just to look at what's the Bible's um, priorities and principles, and what is the weight in Scripture of the importance of these different topics like giving and saving. Um, And remember, God owns it all, okay? That's the underlying um, message I want to give to you. So the idea of giving competes with the very essence of who we are as fallen humanity, Um, or what the Bible often calls flesh. It uses that word, sarks, flesh. Um, A lot of times... I will summarize the difference between fleshly desires and desires of the spirit in these categories, selfishness and selflessness. Right, the the flesh, as the Bible describes it's 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 about me and it's about selfishness, where the work that the spirit of God does in us um, could be described as selflessness. The fallen flesh says, just like every two-year-old who's able to speak says all the time, mine right (laughs) the spirit-filled regenerated person on the other hand says what do i have that i haven't received from god and so what's mine is yours um maybe you've heard me say before i i love the verse in philippians 2 and i i've often said if we could just live out this one verse as a church We would be so drastically different than the community around us. Uh, We'd be a light in the world. It would be so evident that God is with us if we could just do well to live out Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. If I'm more significant than you, then my tendency is gonna be, well, I'm gonna keep for myself. If I view you as more significant than myself, then the tendency is going to be to give. But it competes, as you guys know and you can feel, it competes with some of the essence of who fallen humanity is and the selfishness that we've had ever since we were born um, versus the selflessness that I think you're going to see God calls us to. But first what I want to look at is that the idea of giving the idea of generosity, which we're talking primarily right now in, in money. I told you that's what the series um, is, it, the bulk of it is about. But you can apply this with, with anywhere in, in all of God's resources. But I want you to see that giving or living generously actually makes sense and is actually desirable. Like we should actually want to do this, giving and live generously. Even though it conflicts with some, something that's kind of in us, it's actually in reality and not theoretically <laughs> desirable so why do I say that it makes sense to give or it's desirable to give first of all this is not going to blow your mind but money doesn't satisfy mm. giving does um, I want to look at it a little bit from Ecclesiastes 5 we touched on it last week but this is coming from a man who has more wealth than any of us probably could imagine um, it says this in Ephesians 5, 10 through 12, he who loves money will not be, what do you think? He yeah. will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. The more we have, the more we kind of want. We're never satisfied, right? It makes that we um, understand that. Uh, he says, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. So the more you have, the more the people around you want what you have. I, uh, one of my favorite movies, there's a guy that goes from rags to riches, and when he's a millionaire, he's having all sorts of people approach him at like different charities and stuff saying, we know that you have money, so we want you to give to us. And so there's a whole slew of people coming to him, including this horrific injustice in the world of cap juggling in South America. And so anything that possibly could need a bit of cash, they're going to... Uh, this character, because he has money. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes, their riches? You guys know, is it Scrooge McDuck, the uncle? Yes. Yeah, Scrooge. Yeah, like swimming through his, his coins of gold or whatever. That's like locked in my mind. Um, that's, that's what Scrooge gets, Scrooge McDuck. He gets to look at all of his money. And um, it goes on to say, sweet is the sleep of a laborer. This is a good thing. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer. There's a a commendation of hard work. Whether he eats little or much, there's a commendation of uh, being content with what God provides. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Why? The more you have, the more you have to worry about. And you can, prop, you can become increasingly dissatisfied always wanting more. Just the general nature of riches. Money doesn't satisfy. On the other hand, maybe you've experienced it, giving really does. I'll ask you guys to think about, think about somebody that you know that's extremely selfish. Do you know anybody that's extremely selfish, that's generally a happy person? No, it's like it's typically the opposite. Do you know anybody that's extremely generous with their resources who's not generally happy or filled with joy? Usually, those are the happy, happiest people that I know. Those who are generous. Um, so. It doesn't seem like it would work, but the happiness that comes from giving actually lines up with reality. Like, maybe you've experienced it, or maybe you've seen it in other people. I think that's why Paul quotes Jesus as saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. Blessed, what's that mean? What do we often translate that as? Awesome. Happy. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah, happy. It, it, it's it's happier, it's more filling, you receive blessing when you give more than when you receive it um, Proverbs 14.21 says whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner but blessed is he who is generous to the poor happy is he who is generous to the poor giving brings blessedness it brings happiness and we know by experience, a lot of us, that that is true, our church back in Nashville um, where's Mary oh yeah, uh, they would they would say if you give to the church. And by the way, this this uh, series isn't all about giving to the church. Like you have to write a check to another church. But uh, at the church, they were saying if you give to the church, we'll give you a money back guarantee. If you're ever if you ever decide, oh, I wish I hadn't have been generous like that, then you can have your money back. And I don't know if if anybody actually ever requested that or not. But, um, but you you understand. I, you generally don't have a lot of regrets. Oh, man, I was so generous, and I just I wish I hadn't done that. Maybe you can think of an exception. But. So here's the good thing, or, or a really cool thing. Um, not only is giving good for the giver, but obviously it's good for the receiver. It's a win-win. There was a fox named Clarence (laughs) that learned a lesson. And the lesson goes like this listen to this. (laughs) This is profound. You gotta sing it. Giving is better, (laughs) far better than giving. I know it may not, this is just what I'm saying. I know it may not seem true. Say it backwards. Far better than getting. (laughs) You probably should just sing it. Giving is better, far better than getting. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. I know it may not seem true, but just try it once, and you'll find what you're missing. Listen, that giving is better for me and for you. Okay, it's a win-win. Is that, awesome. is that Emerson? <laughs> That's I'll give dope. credit at the end of the teaching. Awesome. So even though the even though the idea of giving kind of competes with it competes with the impulses of our flesh it actually makes sense to give it lines up with the, the, the beauty and the blessedness of giving in, in reality not to mention that scripture says it will happen and I think you, you don't even have to be a Christian and maybe you've even experienced an element of this the, the blessedness of giving money doesn't satisfy giving does it, just by that alone we can say man it makes sense to, to be generous to give here's another reason why it makes sense Giving protects us from the insecurity or uncertainty of stored wealth. A little bit later in Ecclesiastes 5, the writer says, There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. He's going to mention two evils that he's seen under the sun. First, riches were kept by the owner. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. We never know what's going to happen with money, and we may lose it. And he's the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb. Here's kind of the second grievous evil. He came from his mother's womb, and to that he shall go again, naked as he came, and he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Everything that it took for him to build his own little kingdom, to build his own uh, wealth, is giving him a life of vexation and sickness and anger. So, first of all, as hard as you work to get wealth, it's never a sure thing. Okay, this guy loses it on a bad venture, maybe there's a market crash that some here, experience and lived through. Maybe all of us have lived through it. Um, m- maybe a business failure. Maybe there's theft. I mean, you, you don't know what can happen. I think that's some of the idea of James. Four It says, "Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring." It says. Um, not only do we not know what could actually happen with our wealth, but secondly, Christ might return or you might die right now. And when that happens, like this, like the writer here is saying, you take nothing. And that's why the, Jesus gets on to the, um, the rich man in Luke 12 when he says, oh, you've done a great job storing up stuff for yourself, but really you're a fool because you've, you've you're actually, your soul is required of you tonight. So um, if God gives you $20, I'll just say this. You can be certain that you have that $20 to give right now. Like, that's a sure thing. I can use that for God's purposes right now. Um, You can't be sure that in 80 years that $20 is going to be there or that it's going to be $40 or $15. It's just, it's it's not for certain. Where we're utilizing things, um, giving things is, is a certain bet. It's a good investment. So giving protects us from the insecurity or the uncertainty of speculation or stored wealth. But it goes beyond this. So I'm trying to tell you, here's why giving makes sense. Like, here's why it's a good thing, why we should actually desire it. It goes beyond just hey, it actually, it feels good and it brings us joy and blessedness in this life and it actually may protect us from the unwiseness of hoarding too much stuff because we might die or who knows what's going to happen with it. It goes beyond that though. And so thirdly, I want to say giving results in eternal reward. Now, it's not just good for us now, but it's good for all eternity. Now, some of you aren't going to like or jive with what I have to say, Um, but somehow our experience in heaven is affected by our works today. Our experience in heaven is affected by our works today. Doesn't the Bible say we're saved by grace, not by works? Saved? Yes. But can we earn reward? Can we earn it? Yes. Yes. When the Bible talks about reward, most of the time it uses this word misthos, which is, it's, it's wages. You've done something and you get something in return. Um, don't get real squirmy on me. We're just going to look at a few verses, that, a, a few, that the Bible talks about it. Last time, we talked about this a couple years ago, and I think it caused a bit of a stir. But um, just here's a few things that Scripture says about eternal reward. And here's one that I want you to turn to if you have a Bible. Turn to 1 Corinthians 3. By the way, the Bible presents this as a really good thing, not something that we should be like, well, that's that's not fair. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, starting in verse 9, it says this we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, this is Paul speaking. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, okay, he he was the first to go here and preach the gospel, laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, wait a second, if the foundation is Jesus, is he talking about believers here or non-believers? believers now if anyone builds on a foundation of christ with gold silver these are decreasing kind of in value and, and and um strength i guess precious stones wood hay straw these are what we're building with on the foundation each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a what? Reward. Reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer what? Loss. Believer or non-believer? Believer. believer. Yeah, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So on the day of disclosure, it's not the foundation being tested for, for the believer. We're in Christ. It's not the works of the person that that is is saving us but but what are the two options of of what we've built reward or, loss. reward or loss but based based on materials that we've built with or been faithful with um it's it's reward or loss now i understand we don't like to imagine in heaven somebody getting something that we don't give that's not that's hard to imagine It's also hard to imagine living in a place that is perfect where there's no envy or jealousy or greed. If you take that out of the picture, then there's no concern all of a sudden. Um, Here in Sinville, we (laughs) see what somebody else gets and we immediately begin to covet it. Whether they deserved it or not, my reaction goes, well, I want that and that's not, I wish I could have that um but we don't have that inclination in heaven so it seems that scripture in scripture the desire for reward is one thing that god motivates us with to be generous now hopefully obviously christ is by far the greatest reward and everyone who's laid their foundation or has the foundation of christ will enjoy The reward of his presence and beauty forever, for all eternity. And that's going to be more than we care for. We're going to care about that certainly more than anything else. But God also lavishly rewards his children for faithful stewardship. If you're not convinced, let me just bounce to a couple more verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. Paul says to the church, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please God... For we must all, he's talking to believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Luke 14, 12 through 14. When you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will then be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You'll be repaid. Matthew 6.1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. It's missing out on something. Revelation 12, 22, 12 Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. If you're still not convinced, see also ephesians 6 8 romans 2 6 and 10 jeremiah 17 10, 1 peter one seventeen galatians 6 nine Second 2 john 8 hebrews eleven twenty six Second 26 2 timothy 4 6 through 8 matthew 5 11 through 12 10 42 16 27 and nineteen twenty one to name some of the other verses that talk about reward based on what we've done okay can you repeat that no <laughs> <laughs> um I, I will say it doesn't seem i, I don't i can't put a, a verse on this but i don't believe we'll be judged by the size or number of good works that we've done it's not that sort of thing but it's on our on our faithfulness to what God has called us to do so it's not about comparing like God says well you did this and you didn't do that and that sort of thing but it's no he's given us resources some of us unique resources to be faithful stewards of and um and we're to do that and God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him so Here's why giving makes sense. It's actually the best possible investment because it's sure in eternity and it can't be taken away. Like you want to be wise with your money then do like Matthew 6 says and store up your treasures in heaven where they can't be uh, destroyed. Like giving makes sense. I want you guys to see even though it, it conflicts sometimes with what we want to do we know that money doesn't satisfy and that giving does. We know that giving is, is, a, is a certain thing now that protects us from the, the foolishness of, of storing too much and giving results in eternal reward. I think we would be crazy not to want to give and be generous and live according to this. All right. I want to look at some explicit commands, because not only does it make sense to give, and I think is desirable, but it's commanded, and that's clear in scripture. So um, a little section called giving is not optional. It's not just to make us feel good. There's actually a a command in scripture. A couple of them go like this. Uh, Luke 6.30 says, give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. These are tough. Luke 12, 32 to 33. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. James 2. Describing the type of faith that's genuine says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them go in peace be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body what good is that so also faith by itself if it doesn't have works is dead wait sorry What, what in James is that James 2 14 to 17 um, in Matthew 25 at the final judgment, uh, there's maybe some disagreements on, on exactly who is being judged here, but Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats. The sheep are those of those who are his, his children, and the goats are those who are not. And do you remember in, in, that, in that judgment what we see in the lives of the sheep? What kinds of things did did they do? They gave food to the hungry. They give, I think, clothing. drink to the thirsty. They clothed people in clothing. They sheltered people who were homeless. If a lot of that is, is giving, it's described. Well, here's here's how Je- what Jesus points to in their life, saying, "Yet yeah, it's apparent that you're one of my sheep. Look at all of this generosity in your life, because Christ's followers give, give, give. Um, to not neglect the Old Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, uh, the Israelites are instructed in this If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. You shall give to him freely. And your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. I've actually heard people quote the verse, um, there will always be poor in the land. I think it's mentioned in the New Testament too. Oh gosh. As as a As an excuse to not give, right? Like, well, there's just always going to be poor people, so like, we can't take care of that problem, so let's just think about it. When, no, that it's followed by, therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother. Because there's always going to be poor, there's always going to be opportunity to give and to open your hand and generosity to people around you. First um, John three sixteen. by this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Well, what does laying down our lives for the brothers look like? If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Proverbs twenty-one, thirteen: Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. We could go on and on and on about the, the Bible's commands and the heart of the Lord that we would give. And it doesn't appear by some of these that this is just an optional thing that we do just because, well, I can get a reward for that. But no, it's, it's actually a command. We're called to it. And, and that giving generosity, those are the types of good works that the life of a believer is characterized by, by their charity. More than any other like good works that we could do, it's, these are the things that God points to to say, here's, here's evidence of true belief. Here's evidence that the love of God is in you. Here's evidence that your faith isn't dead, it's those who are giving. I don't wanna get too far into specifics, we're gonna talk about some specifics next week. Um, But so, just so, initially, we don't feel too overwhelmed by, hey, give to the poor. Um, That's a massive statement and can seem overwhelming. A couple thoughts on that. Many of the verses that talk about meeting needs, many of them, are within the context of one either Israel's community or the church community. So, for example, in Deuteronomy 15, uh, I already read the verse, but it said, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, in any of your, listen to what he says, in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, okay? then give to them. Regarding the church, that James 2 said, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, generally brother or sister in scripture is talking about other um, believers. 1 John 3, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, give to them. It's not always the case, but often that giving is toward a a fellow member of the community of God. So I would suggest that Meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ is a great place to start. Okay? Um, That doesn't mean we shouldn't meet needs outside the church. We should meet the needs of our enemies. I think it's clear in scripture. But I think it also makes sense that we start in the church and let that flow out into other areas. I think that goes along with Paul's teaching in Galatians 6.10 that says... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. If we're not caring for ourselves... All right. So uh, that's one thing. We can, we can start with our believing community here. Start there. Um, another kind of interesting thing as you look at these passages is that usually meeting needs in Scripture is speaking about life-sustaining provisions we talked about last week, um, our our basic physiological needs, and even that scripture draws attention to, are primarily food and clothing. It points to in a number of different passages. Um, So I would suggest that in meeting needs, that's the place to start. Maybe that's obvious, but um, and, and I think that can flow over again into many other areas besides needs. But I think meeting those basic needs are a good starting point. Um, and I say that to point out. Um, I think it's worth considering when we're giving. Is what I'm giving actually helping meet a need? And or, or how how there's a difference between treating each other, which is a kind of generosity and good, and and meeting somebody's need who is legitimately in need. It's really cool to buy somebody a nice meal and be generous to somebody in that way, or to give somebody a birthday present that they didn't need in the first place, but that's a different kind of generosity. It's still good, I'm not gonna tell you don't give to people, but the place that we certainly should start or have a focus on is is meeting um, actual needs. It shouldn't. Excuse should Um We shouldn't give to the neglect of people around us not having what they need, whether we like them or not. It's easy. Jesus would say something. If anyone who, if anyone loves those who love them. Hey, even sinners do that. Like Sinners are good to each other. Well, that was nice of you. I want to do something nice in return. Okay, but what about the people? Um, don't just be generous to the people that you like. Be generous to those who are in need, um, and especially those in the, in the believing community. So I, I don't want to make generosity sound like a formula, because I think it's really about a heart of generosity and compassion and, and joy. Um, I just want to show you some kind of principles and, and priorities in scripture and maybe see some starting points where it makes sense to start with giving where I think it makes sense to start in the family of God to start with basic needs and anything else that flows beyond that great let's let's be generous and and go far and above that Proverbs 21:26 says the righteous gives and does not hold back It's just like okay whatever however I can be a blessing to other people. Proverbs 21 26 The overall point of what I want to say here is that giving isn't optional the cool thing is even though it's commanded it's rewarded so how awesome is that and how kind of God another thing I I want to point out um, kind of lastly here when it comes to giving is this provision comes even though you give and even because you give Provision comes even though you give and because you give. In a very famous verse in Philippians 4, Paul tells the Philippians, uh, and my God will supply all of your needs, right? That comes in the section that he's commending the Philippians for being generous in meeting his need. And so um, it's as if he's telling them. Though you're giving, don't worry, God will meet your needs. Okay, Provision comes even though you give. Proverbs 11 says, one freely gives. Listen how unintuitive this is. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. I don't think that's teaching prosperity gospel, by the way. I don't know what, the, what exactly the enriching is and what the watering is, but, um, but the idea is those who are generous, um, the Lord is also generous with. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, If you do that, it says, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Provision comes even though you give, and it comes even because you give. Um, Proverbs 22.9, he who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Proverbs 28.27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will give many a curse. Here's the... Again, this is not intuitive, but the way that, especially the Proverbs, kind of their principle on on giving is, if you want to put bread on your table, then give to the poor. I don't know that it's supposed to be a one-on-one comparison, but there's a close relationship between the the provision of God for you and your generosity towards other people. Mark 10, 29 through 31. This is after the parable of the rich young man. We're almost through, scrambling through verses. Um, the parable of the rich young man who Jesus said, okay, if you want to be perfect, sell everything you possess and give to the poor. But the man, if you remember, couldn't or didn't want to do that. And Jesus says how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then Peter says, if you know the story, he, he's like, hey, Jesus, we and the disciples, we have given up everything to follow you. You remember that? And and they have. I mean, they're they're following Jesus and leaving their livelihood and their families. We have left everything to follow you. And look what Jesus says. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in an age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first kind of a quick paraphrase of that you'll get so much more than you're giving up it's interesting i used to misunderstand that passage because the versions and i think matthew and maybe it's in another gospel are um they seem to be uh Uh, Mark here is saying a little bit more than the other gospel writers did in, in what Jesus said. He reveals a little bit more. And it's interesting that what we get in provision, that hundredfold, he says you will receive a hundredfold now in this time. He's not even talking about eternal reward. That's a whole other thing and in the age to come in eternal life. But the hundredfold, so much more than you're giving up now, um, will, will come to you now in this life. And I think what he's talking about there is you're going from being this independent unit and all that you have in that so now you're in the family of God and you're in this shared group of resources of the family of God around the world that is a hundredfold or more what you have just by yourself. Don't worry about losing those things, about giving those things up. I'm going to provide those things for you. Matthew six thirty three says is talking about don't be anxious about your needs. You guys heard this verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In the context, what types of things is he talking about that will be added to you? Where I'm going to get food? Where I'm going to get clothes? Those types of provisions. But God is saying, hey, provisions, they come even though you give and you're faithful stewards and you do what I want with the resources I give you. And even because you give, God is meeting our needs. So the Bible teaches, I think, very clearly that provision will come, even though we give, even because we give. Um, I really want you guys to remember this when it comes to thinking about giving and provision, the provision of God. God owns everything. Let me tell you why that's important. Romans 8, 32 and 33 says... He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? If he gave us his son, and he owns everything, he's not just wanting to hold back from us. He can meet our needs. Uh, something similar in the Old Testament that we see in Malachi 3 uh, verses 8 through 10. Uh, God is talking to Israel, who is not giving the prescribed uh, tithes and, and, and gifts that they're supposed to be bringing uh, to the temple and to Israel. But just look at what God is able to do. God says, will you rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby, check this out, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God has the whole world at his disposal You being generous with what he's given to you is not going to keep God from being able to meet the needs that you have. He's not restricted. He owns it all. Your tithes, your contributions, your meeting needs around you, he's not going to have a difficult time responding in provision for you. I honestly think that we could spend every penny that we have And sell everything that we have and give that away and live on beans and rice and God would be honored in that and live in raggedy clothes I think God would be honored in that Um, so we looked at the Bible um, on what the Bible has to say last week about saving this week about giving and y'all, I literally have twice the notes that I'm sharing with you tonight of just verse after verse after verse that speaks about giving and speaks about generosity and for the sake of time I'm not sharing all of those things. And again, to to just kind of show you the balance of scripture, I wasn't I wasn't having the same issue when looking for verses about you need to save more. The, a couple of quotes from um, some Christian financial dudes I think are good talking about just the balance between saving and giving and what scripture teaches Larry Burkett says the certainty is that scripture warns that there is greater danger in having a surplus than having a need and Randy Alcorn says if we ever don't feel we can save and give by all means we should give some people in scripture are rebuked for saving too much, but no one is ever rebuked for giving too much. God's never going to look down on our lives and say, oh my gosh, you're way too generous. What are you thinking? Where well, he might, if he sees us hoarding. I know that this doesn't hit all of us right where we at. Some of you aren't trying to determine, what do I do with all this extra money that I have? Um, at some point, we're going to have... At, at some point, when your needs are met, you're going to have a choice. And I'd say it's it's more of a real choice than maybe we realize. But you're going to have a choice of what to do with your money. to To spend it, to save it, to give it. And I hope that you can see in this... Again, I'm not trying to say this percentage of that percentage, but I hope you can see the weight of Scripture and the, the key, uh, not just principles, but the priority of Scripture that you can kind of start to put together the, the puzzle pieces in your life of this puzzle of how to um, use God's stuff for God's purposes. Some of those pieces are work hard, diligently. Don't, don't be lazy or idle. Be content with what you have. I saw those last week. And then this week... Give, give, give without constraint and trust God to provide. And not only are we clearly commanded in these things, but we're rewarded in these things, both in this life and in eternity. All right. Um, Let me pray and then we're we're done. Father, I thank you for the wisdom that we find in scripture. Um, I thank you that we have we actually have to think about how to apply this and we don't just have to live by some formula which would um which would not bring much much joy but that you give us um that you give us guidelines and and purposes to live for and then we get the joy specifically in generosity of of making decisions and um out of out of the abundance of our heart and out of our own cheerfulness practicing these things um, as much as we're willing to do so. So thanks for uh, for giving us these guidelines and principles. I pray that we would find great joy in living according to your word. And uh, we love you, Lord. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.